is back and that means for buck's sake is back now we did have to reject a lucrative 10 figure sum to relocate to sydney during the world cup break and we can confirm that we are recording in the great and proud democratic people's republic of victoria dave is my name and i am joined by two very very fine gentlemen let's start with the the mustache man clarky mate I'm starting with you because you're podding tonight, podding with the boys, despite having the dreaded Rona. Yeah, it's Dave Budzer. Nice to be here. Yeah, it's finally gotten me. Um, I thought I was built different for a number of weeks and months and years, but it's finally got me. Hasn't been too bad so far, so I can't really complain. Could not miss this episode. Could not miss this episode. <laughs> I, I could have been on a deathbed and I would have still been pulling the, the boom arm over. To, to the bedside to talk to you boys tonight. And uh, just as a little caveat to your intro, um, no amount of money could ever get me to move to that clown town, Sydney. Mm-hmm. Not a fucking chance. Yes, yes. And I'm sure the man of the people would agree. Uh, I believe you're celebrating your daughter's birthday today and on the weekend, mate. You've been firing out the chavapis faster than bloody summer street uh over there in uh the green wedge mate how's it all going fuck danny townsend <laughs> yeah yeah oh geez you know boys i i thought our first week back after this very strange world cup break you know we've been podding doing for fuck's sake for eight years or so, and we've never had this kind of long extended mid-season break owing to a World Cup. And, you know, with that unremarkable 1-0 win on the road, I thought we'd have a pretty short, sharp podcast this week. (laughs) But, oh, no, (laughs) it wasn't to to be, was it? Because yesterday, and that's Monday for the people listening on uh, Wednesday or Thursday of this week, all hell broke rules. Australian football in the sphere of the A-League predominantly, but oh, we are now going to have to talk for much longer than we were originally planning. But I guess that is what the punters want because I've never seen anything like this. Um, and look, we'll, we'll, we'll park it there for now but because it is a big show. The, the World Cup, boys, in and of itself, we're still in the midst of it, but oh, we... We, we have to talk about the Socceroos getting out of the group. I mean, now, unfortunately, that's going to be cut back, isn't it, Clarkie? Because this fucking APL business. Oh, yeah. What, what a way to capitalise on the, the wave of momentum that we'd mm. seen around the country. Um, to, really, to go finger and on do, the pulse stuff, isn't this. it? Again, let's keep the powder dry, but I'm <laughs> so immensely proud of that group of Socceroos players. Holy shit. The, the negativity that I carried into the qualification and out of the qualification into the World Cup. And <laughs> and it, it, it did. It, it united the, the, the football population of this this country uh, it united them as as much as the disdain for Danny Townsend, but it, it was incredible. It's it, despite the weird, surreal, manufactured nature of this World Cup, it's been pretty good. I've been consuming as much of it as possible, and it's just nice to 
see the ruse, do well, and also get a little bit of airtime on on international podcasts and and news, oh, and not just making up the numbers and being like, oh, Australia, they're not very good next, but going, holy shit, this is probably one of the the better performing sides that we thought weren't going to do shit. It it was nice. The World Cup from a soccer perspective was was really good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it it is going to be a big show because we we're going to talk about the A League women, the, the feats of the Socceroos, as Clarky just touched on. But yeah, obviously we'll dedicate some time to the actual football, gentlemen. A one 0 win yeah. up there in Campbellfield. Uh, that yeah, we will have to actually talk about that, despite the the just the sheer volcano eruption uh, that was yesterday. Uh, here in the Australian football landscape. It was just crazy. But look, FES is crowd-funded. We exist for one reason and one reason alone, our listeners and fans. And uh, fun fact, that is actually why, uh, the one and only reason why the A-League exists, Mr Townsend and uh, APL board members, wouldn't, wouldn't even have it if it wasn't for the fans. So let's just take that on board, shall we? And look, we have some great new people that have joined us during the week, joined the community. Let's go through those new names uh, and also tell other listeners how they can support this community and what sort of perks they might be entitled to. All right, well, I can kick off. So welcome to the new Patreons and new subscribers. Thanks very much to Steve Thomas. Daniel Mitchell, Matt Montanese, who I believe might be a resub. I'm not too sure. I've seen Montanese. that name floating around before. Lodo, Nick, and Ben Smart. As Dave said, thank you for your support, guys. And to all of our patrons, this doesn't happen um, without your guys' support. You are our biggest stakeholder, and the fans are the biggest stakeholder in the game in this country, even if the APL doesn't want to acknowledge that. Um, so, yeah patreon.com slash for fuck's sake to get involved um at the lowest tier which i think is a dollar or a dollar 50 per episode you get access to the discord and the discord has been <sighs> popping off the last two days um you, you think soccer twitter's been going mental the discord has been going off from memes to heartfelt like monologues to diatribes it's been insane yeah yeah, it, it's just truly remarkable. Um, all right, so let's take a break then. Hi, it's Matt Speranovich, and you're listening to For Vuck's Sake. Gents, gents, let's talk about that first game back, the game against White York's MacArthur Bulls up there in Campbelltown in the state that shall go unnamed for now. Uh, Popper sprung some surprises. This formation was different. It was interesting. Uh, lots of sort of shifting of those uh, magnets on the board because probably most notably due to the absences of Roderick Miranda and Josh Relate. So we we wheeled out a 3-4-1-2 with Economides playing in a attacking wing-back role. Uh, I guess, you know, if we put this result in context, gentlemen, to get three points on the road 
while missing two of our senior statesmen, including our best defender, and is head and shoulders above the rest uh, in the league, arguably, and still win. Uh, to me, that's the that's the talking point here because we needed to build some momentum. We needed to start following the break when we knew we we're going to be scratchy and rusty, just like the podcast. You know, it's going to take a few weeks to get back into it to get that result on the road, a clean sheet, good start. Wouldn't you agree? I would, yes. I would say that it was an awful game and a great result. And that's probably probably not the way we wanted to come out and play this game. I think after, after a World Cup layoff and let's call it a second off season, you can expect there to be a bit of rust. And... When you look at the MacArthur side, in terms of if you're looking um, paper to paper, they're a very good side. They're too good a side. They've got far too good of players for um, the club that they are and, and what they're actually offering the league. Um, they've got some ex- exceptional talent for for this league. And um, when you when you you know you say we, we don't have two of our starting players, and you look at that team, and that team really should be bar. You know, Broxham at centre-back again. That team should really be beating every other side in this league at the moment. And it's, it's a formidable front three that we had there. We had some very good performances, but it was just another another poppable performance at the end of the day um, where we were displaying how ineffective we are in putting the ball into the back of the net. Um, it was a very frustrating game. It was a game really that, we should have put away early on. Uh, Daggers had some in exceptional chances. Nani was pretty good value, I thought, for mm-hmm. for the minutes that he put in. And, you know, we saw another... Uh, look, Popper's actually had some good success with his substitutions last year and um, in patches this year. And Ben Falami came on. Um, mm. pen, yeah. penalty, penalty is a bit, a bit dubious. I saw that caused mm. a bit of this... Um, and there's a lot of discourse about that um, decision or non-decision that happened. But I thought his, his strike was exceptional. Um, I don't think it's a game where you can really wax lyrical about too much because it was a real it was a real Sunday afternoon in front of 300 people and a couple of cowbells kind of game. It was very tough watching. Um, but a great result nonetheless because with the complexion of the table, it's a bit of a logjam from second down. Um, yep. You know, Sydney Sydney beating City over the weekend kind of halted them running away with it. And as popped Sydney back into the four, so it was a three points we had to get. So super, super result, really. Great yep. result for the team. And results going our way, as you mentioned. And look, Clarkey, uh, even though it was sloppy and that, you know, lazy Sunday afternoon game we look sluggish at times at half time i made the comment on our discord that we really should be running over these guys in the second half they had mm-hmm. very little in their arsenal that seemed like it was going to find a way to start dominating us for larger periods we were not having the lion's share of possession we had more of it but we just looked more effective even though we weren't you know, creating the clear-cut chances in that first half. How would you see it? Like, did you feel the same way coming into that second half as I did? 
Yeah, that that first half was was really interesting with that that new formation. As you mentioned, it really sort of bogged down the, the middle of the park for both sides. Um, but as Buds has said, the 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 substitutions really did work, and and I think the, the goal from Falami and the assist from Nish, um, it, w- it would have done both of those two wonders, who have probably had a reasonably slow start to this season. Um, and what I really felt was sort of a big telling sort of point of that move was just the directness. The ball from from Nish was just cut through two lines and, and sets mm. Falami on his way. And before that, it was this the first half was just trying to pass through um, this log jam of players. So yeah, we, we were much more positive with the subs and, and maybe a little bit more direct. Um, I think as you guys said, wasn't an overall great game, but it was a great result. And there was a number of sort of individual positives that I'd just like to pick out with you guys that I think puts us in really good stead for this season. So Jason Gary's first start oh, after yes. after the injury, I thought he was excellent. And I thought, you see what we miss when we haven't had him there. Um, his two-way running, his tackling, his toughness, he was really good. Um a, a debut for Matthew Bosanovsky. Um, we've had a lot of sort of, you know, how is he not getting a go yet? Is he not good enough? Can he make the grade? Well, he's he's been given the shot now. And um, look, he didn't have to do a whole heap. I thought he was okay. But look, it's something for the young fella to build on. Um, alternatively, again, not his best game, but George Timotheo was part of a defensive unit that kept the clean sheet. That'll do massive wonders. 90, 90 minutes uninjured. 90 minutes uninjured. Um, Cadete, probably best on ground. Um, it's been a slow burn for him, but I think just before the break, we, we were starting to see, again, I think we mentioned, no one's ever going to be Davo. No one's ever going to be Jason Davidson. We had the best. We had the Ferrari F, F50. Um, but Cadete is starting to show... Um, that he is more than capable at, at this level. Um, and then Buds, as you said, Nani, maybe didn't have the glitz and the glamour, but he was pretty damn decent. So I've come, I've come to terms with like, and especially watching him play now, like I think, look where, where my expectations sat getting him and seeing some of the stuff that he did for Orlando, I was expecting uh, maybe not worldies, but like clean strikes outside the box, Possibly mm. five, four, five goals to now. Um, just some really flashy excitement. I've I've come to terms that he's probably passed it in terms of that respect and in terms of time on the ball in this league. I've just really enjoyed what he brought the other day, and it was just steady ball handling, technically good football, um, passes to the right places, movement Creates to the right space. places. Yeah, yep. just 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 the simple things Pockets. and. Yeah. We're paying a lot of. We're probably paying a lot of money for that, but um, I'm I'm glad we have it. I don't think there's really a young player that's gonna do the things that he can. So I don't really think he's taking um, taking squad space from somebody who probably deserves it. Um, I would like to see him grow into the role and maybe bring some of that flashy stuff in when the the big games roll around and the business end gets into the season. And you know, people remember that they don't really remember what happened at MacArthur away um, in round seven or seven or eight. So 
Um, yeah, he was he was he was really good for first game back. I, I'm, I'm tempering my expectations with him now, though. The the Nani debate's interesting because I think in our predictions we all rattled off uh, how many goals oh. he would score, and I think some of us were in the double figures there. But I think um, you talked about slow burn with Cadete Clarky. I think with Nani, uh, there there is I think going to be a period where he starts to get into a rhythm and at that age, I think, you know, it's, it's going to be in spits and starts from time to time. Uh, he has to be managed um, effectively, but yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm still pretty bullish about what he can do, particularly at the tail end of the season. Cadete, uh, look, like you said, he, he might've been best on ground. I, I think, you know, our, our, and jumping the gun here, but I think that's now two man of the match performances in the balls of steel because, he polled three votes the game before the World Cup break. Um, and, yes, no Jason Davidson, no one will be, but certainly doing everything right and, you know, being deployed in a wing-back role, I think he really enjoyed uh, having a little bit more freedom. Mm. in You know, because with Timotheu, Broxham, you know, and, and Garia forming that back three, uh, it does allow for the, the wide attacking wing backs to just have a little bit more freedom and yeah yes they will track back but not to the same extent so pleasing and i'm just i guess obviously not blown away by the football but pleased to see some adaptation uh and 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 popper thinking a little bit differently about how we can get results particularly on the road yeah, spot on, Dave. We demanded before the break that, you know, some work needed to be done, not only with the players, but Popper needed to 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 go back and, and think about some stuff. And it, as you said, it may not have been pretty, but there was clear evidence there that he's trying stuff, that in the last three weeks they have been working on some stuff. And, and it may not be at, at, at its full end point yet, but you know what? If we had seen them roll out the same stuff, like the same formation and the same tactics, um, you know, as before the break, we'd be sitting here talking about this this result very differently. Um, we might still have won it, but I think there'd be a lot um, more negative. And what has he actually done? What have they done to mm. change? At least mm. we've seen something there. Um, so, And that'll keep the fans kind of at bay. But you know what? again not getting too ahead of ourselves but in, in the running order tonight but it needs to find another level because we have a massive game next week yeah and let's not look macarthur are a good side they're they're a good side they've got some really good players and you, you beat them away from home it's a, after a, a spell it's a very good result no doubt no doubt well i mean we come away with three points and yeah, in readiness for the derby, and we already mentioned that City dropped points. So I think it's a good way to, you know, relaunch um, the, the, this back end of the season. So I think we'll probably leave it there for the game, gents. Unless you had other talking points. I, I, the only other thing I'd mention is well done to the, you know, it looks about roughly maybe a couple hundred Victorians who made their way. You know, an away trip on a Sunday is never ideal, you know, particularly for those of us that have to work on the Monday. So well done to all those that travelled, including a few of the uh, Discord peeps that we spotted on yeah. camera. 
And mm, goal celebrations, though. Nothing more center. rewarding than that late winner on the road. So I'm going to thoroughly yeah. enjoy that, Clarky. Before we move on, and it's not Vuck related, but can we just take a moment to uh, to mention All Night Dwight's crisp white business Ooh, shirt yeah. into white fullback cap Baseball. combo with yeah. his personal brand on the front? Oh, that that bloke, he, he still parties. He still he fucks. It. He brings it. Absolutely. Love the swag. He's just got style coming out of every orifice there. Oh, look. Now... Gents, balls of steel. I kind of spoilt it. We know who got the three. It was our friend, uh, FBS's very own Cadete. But how did the rest of the polling go? And tell us about the leaderboard, please, man of the people. Uh, two to Falami. Gabenga season. And uh, one to Jace Garia. Straight in, straight on. Straight on the podium. So um, It's pretty accurate, that those votes, I would say. Very mm-hmm. accurate. Um, thanks to Dave. Once again, for making it so easy. So, yeah, so easy. Uh, leaderboard, Miranda still an eight. Izzo seven. Icon on six with Cadete. Cadete shot up the leader, boys. Come from zero to uh, equal third now. So that's um, that's probably how poor the first half, part of the season was, really. Um, look, we've, we've, we've got one attacking player in the top five and then Mar- Marchan. Uh, on four points. So, uh, Balls of Steel's back, baby. FES is back, baby. Um, can't wait for us to uh, do it all again. Hi, it's Ben Falami, and you're listening to For Vuck's Sake. Okay, um, Buds, Clarky, I ordered a slab of Vuck draft yesterday because I was thinking, getting close to Christmas, and, you know, I need to stock up, make sure that beer fridge is nicely stocked. Now, the reason I bring this up, we want to talk about our friends at Local Brewing very briefly before we get on to our meteor topics for this evening. But we're very excited at FES to talk about this partnership or this new segment, really, that isn't about anything except giving our listeners free beer. Now, we're calling it the Local Hero of the Month. And we're going to go into more detail about this next week. The tumultuous, shall we say, 48 hours that we've had means that we kind of have to uh, deal with that topic tonight first. But basically, we're going to have a segment where you, the listener, gets to nominate your local hero, uh, one per month, and you get to go in and for a chance to win a slab of Vuck Draft. So we, along, our friends at, at Local are going to give away one per slab per month. Is that right, gents? Yeah, that's correct. So it can be it can be anyone. It can be anyone in, in sort of the football world. It can be, you can nominate, you know. Off pitch, someone, on pitch, whatever. Uh, on pitch, off pitch. Could be someone to do, uh, uh, does good work at your local club or, or a particular, uh, you know, player at your club. But just... It's about recognizing the, the the local heroes that that make up our great game. Um, so yeah, get nominating and uh, winning a slab through our mates at uh, local brewing co. Yeah, we're we're gonna, I guess, launch this in full effect next week. But just a reminder also that you can, as FBS listeners, can get ten percent off all local brewing beer products, or, and they have some other things as well with the 
code MONTHEVUCK. So hit up their site, get yourself some beers for the holiday period like I did. That code took off $9.30 off my purchase. That's not to be scoffed at. It's paying, it's paying for your uh, delivery. It is, pretty much. That's right. Pretty much free delivery. And it's a good beer. All right. Moving right along, gentlemen, and this is probably, there's going to be some people that maybe uh, fast-forwarded to hear us talk about this issue of the A-League Grand Final being sold by the APL for the next three seasons, including this season, uh, to Sydney. We won't go into the minutiae of the deal, but their plan was obviously to move the Grand Final, both the A-League men's and A-League women's and the E-League, which we have less of a problem with, but uh, alongside the, you know, Warren Dolan, uh, Dolan Warren Awards and various other things. and Such a this... huge event, such a huge event on the calendar, the the Warren <laughs> Dolan Awards. We're just, we're just Makes gonna... me want to go to Sydney for a week. Oh, yeah. We're just, so... just going to bundle it into a festival. Yeah, festival of football all in Sydney. This got, you know, and if you're just catching up with all of this and you, well, maybe you're just still absorbing all this, but this was sprung on us all. Early on Monday, the 12th of December, and all hell broke loose. Now, I'm so exhausted. We've we've been around for a while, uh, and I'll get to you in just a sec, Buds. We, we, you and I have seen every manner and every style, including Clarkie as well, of the fan, FFA, police, security, APL, all the schisms. We've seen them all. And... On nearly every occasion over these last nearly 20 years, there's always been some disagreement, some division. Some segments of fans agree with authorities or decisions and others don't. But not this time. This has been a unanimous outpouring of angst towards the APL, towards Danny Trainwreck, towards the APL board. Now, I've got a lot more to say. But you mentioned, Buds, you're tired and I feel you because this has been mentally exhausting because it's just been insane how much it has consumed us. Go on, mate. I'm, t- I'm tired from the World Cup for a start. It's been... Oh, yeah, there's that. There's been, there's been that. <laughs> um, and then, you know, we're cynical. We said Discord's been popping off and, yes, we're all cynical in that, just going like, look, and we're cynical against Sydney as well through the World Cup just because... Now, Melbourne went worldwide. Melbourne went big. Fed Square went worldwide. Fed Square mm. went big. Um, I was doing that shit back in 05. Like, I was at the first leg Sunday morning against Uruguay, mm. and there was 100 people there. A few nights later, there was fucking scenes like the other night. Albeit, the kids the kids these days have been raiding more boats on Mordialic Creek and in fucking <laughs> and in Williamstown because... <laughs> Like, you know, it lit up and, you know, it went BBC, it went worldwide, it went on Reuters, it went on everything. Like, people were talking about us. It was awesome. But by this round of 16, Sydney still had not had a, a live site, which just tells you what you need to know. All, all the theatre-going bullshit that goes on in Sydney. Anyway, we were sitting there cynical just going, Townsend doesn't have a fucking clue what he's doing because we had those scenes every single game 
and there was no representation at all. All he had to do, people were coming up with marketing plans for him going, why isn't he doing this? Why aren't we doing that? Why aren't we advertising the league here? Why aren't we giving out free coupons for free games at the live sites? Why aren't we doing this? Why, why, why aren't we having a QR code for a fucking for a prize? So the APL bang has blanket like fucking database marketing to email people about the A-League's coming back. Watch this soccer rule at the A-League. Watch this person at the A-League. What this? They did nothing. They did nothing of it. So once we're all on cloud nine about it, because basically all we saw from an Australian team at the World Cup was do the bare minimum of what you expect in an Australian team. It's not be embarrassed, not play like fucking shit, don't get your ass kicked and just have a fucking crack. And we brought the DNA out. It was actually cool. We we shit posted about it on our last episode about how the way Arnie needs to go about it. And, you know, let's kick it old school. Let's do it. But they did it. It was mad. This cunt Townsend has fucked it away within fucking like six days. He's absolutely mm-hmm. screwed the pooch and it's unbelievable. It's by Sydney for Sydney. Someone yesterday said he's the Scott Morrison of Australian football and it was the most <laughs> absolutely insanely he's, accurate he's post I've on. ever seen. It's, it's he's a so... fucking he's an asshole. We've hated him for so long. He's so full of shit. He has no idea what he's doing. Nothing he does. Everything is disingenuous. He's a phony. He's a fake. He's superficial. I fucking can't stand him. And I'm even more fucking pissed off with Anthony DiPietro because he has 100% voted for this. He's mm-hmm. read the tea leaves. He's seen what's happened. He's done the right thing. He's walked away. He's fucking, he's thought about it because someone said yesterday morning to me before it got absolutely nuclear that this is going to be our Super League moment. I said, there's no way it's going to get like that. Like, and it went bigger than I've ever seen anything go before. And, you know, we've got friends that are part-time, you know, some hate the game, some used to like the game and didn't come anymore. Etc. Etc. And people are like, oh, soccer fans just hold grudges. There's so much hyperbole, blah blah blah. But it's not because they haven't thought about. It. They've only seen dollar signs and you know OSM straight away. And that's what we were saying first. It's just like, well, what incentive is there to fucking finish here or there? What's the incentive for this? Look at the integrity of the game. It's gone. Last year I was pretty much done because the fucking dickhead did a deal to fucking have the broadcaster stop the game mid-game and which meant it stopped at the ground so they could put fucking ad breaks for Hungry Jacks in and fucking internet. Like that that was the last. I, I can't believe he survived that. Now he's done this and it's just he hasn't even got like there's so much to unpack. Like he hasn't even, he hasn't even gone out to tender properly with it. He doesn't even know if he's got the highest market rate because he only did a closed shop deal with New South Wales. Um, the story's changed two or three times, and then we'll get on to. I'll let you guys go, but then we'll get on to some of the quotes he did. Fuck some of the shit he has said since then no. has just been the most tone deaf, absolutely diabolical shit you've ever heard a CEO come out with because it's just it's, it's infuriating. And for a dude that's meant to have a marketing and PR background, the last 48 hours of him has been an, a, a disaster class. This is not what to do. Um, it, it's just, it's remarkable. It's like at every step of the way, he's he's kicked this pig like in every which way direction. It's It's been remarkable. And, and as you mentioned, the, it took six days. Even the timing of it for him to go, let's just slip this in the Monday after the first day of the A-League. The first week the A-League's back. Let's just slip this out 8 a.m. on a Monday morning. Like, can't, are you on acid? Like, it's, on what planet 
did you think this was a good idea? Like, it's never a good idea, but just the the timing of it. And I think the, the one thing and this decision, it's just another one in the long line of decisions where we, the fans, and I think I said this to you guys when I came on the show, when I wasn't part of it a couple of seasons ago, we're not treated like stakeholders. We're treated like walking wallets. Oh, they'll just rock, walk up and, and keep opening their wallets. And and when again, something like this, we're not we're not consulted again. We're not treated as the stakeholders we are. We're the fucking biggest, most important stakeholders in this whole fucking pyramid. And and we're it's, not even it's not even given a second thought. Because soccer fans in this country are wide and football fans are wide, wide, are wide different to other football codes. They're completely wide different. They, they don't they don't suffer fools gladly. AFL, like I'm I'm an Essendon fan. Like what our club's been through the ringer. Like the the club, you know, with the, the supplement saga and all that shit. You know mm. how the fans, you know how the fans revolted? The fans revolted by fucking forking over their money and putting the most memberships the club's ever had. It's that kind of shit. They they turned up every week with fucking standby herd placards. They pumped thousands of their own money into it. And they keep turning up and turning up and turning up and turning up. Australian football soccer fans don't do that. They don't put up with the bullshit, and I think they've messed. And and it's amazing. This guy with this background was the CEO of one of the clubs for that many years. It's it's. How it's does insane. he not know this by now? And a player, such a dumb player. Like, yeah, oh, oh, the league. Oh, the game's been around for eighteen years. Well, what? There, there's th- that. Yeah, and and he says he what says about the other like thirty plus years. Jesus Christ! But but, but one of the teams in the league has been around for league. twenty. One of the teams in the league's 27 years old in the Perth Glory. Like, he's so fucking stupid. Adelaide United like, was so around stupid. before the A-League started as well. We want to create history and tradition in the game. The home final has literally been the tradition of the history. Like, it's literally been the one thing in the season that works without fail, albeit not last year. Thank, thank you. That That's I'm, perfect because we... we, we What's the saying? Never stare a gift horse in the mouth. We've had nearly two decades of this fucking league. And, you know, every time we take a step forward, we take three steps back. It's the the the, the greatest days of nearly most clubs that have appeared, you know, in finals have, have stemmed from those grand finals. And look, I mean, look, this sort of move just tells the rest of the country that, and you know, New Zealand for that matter, that they don't matter. Uh, that, you know, that, that uh, and you, you already talked about the capitalising on, on the, the success of the World Cup, and that's just been completely shot to bits. And now the rest of the, the country are probably looking at the, the A-League, <laughs> they've done it again. They've done it my, again. And- my, dad was, my dad was just over. He goes, Australian football's been an absolute implosion for my whole lifetime. It's just done nothing but implode yeah. and eat itself. I said, yes, it has. Absolutely it, it has. Like, And, it, and the, the way that this prick talks to the fans, like we're emotional. And he oh. said he, he had lines like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to cop backlash because of my old role and blah, blah, blah. He's basically saying that, you know, the only things we pick up on are low-hanging fruit. He ha- He's delusional with a God complex. It's by Sydney for Sydney. He has never stopped being the CEO of Sydney FC. It's a fucking disgrace. No, and, and the contempt that oh is emotional. It's like it's like oh shh, go take a nap. It's like no, 
fucking what? Like, how many times are you going to kick us and just do these sorts of things for for what is basically short termism? Now, yeah. to sort of uh, borrow something that the a friend of the pod, Josh Parrish, said on his podcast, uh, it's another it's another short term, short sighted decision that's been made for the here and now without the consideration of of going forward and this small in the grand scheme of things he's selling out the fans of this competition for 20 or 30 million dollars um that'll have a much bigger effect on the bottom line for years to come the fact that this 20 or 30 million dollars isn't going back into grassroots that isn't going to um improve the game improve facilities improve media he's uh, you know it's going to balance a bottom line of a capital investment firm that's bought a stake in this league. This is basically just so that Silver Lake can balance their bottom line. This is a but, dividend back to Silver Lake. Like, what's he done with the $140 million that they've put in? Exactly. What's and happened then, to the Paramount money? We've got like, an app did he that spend, doesn't work. Did he spend yeah. it all on Barcelona? I know. Exactly. Exactly. Like, and we, we were pretty sort of against the whole you know, A-League All-Stars thing for a number of reasons. But I think I think one of the reasons that it probably got lost in the whole debate of it was the money. <laughs> Why are we spending this kind of money on something like this? This is a short-term sugar fix. This doesn't help the game going forward for the years to come. And, and neither does this. It's I, just... I, I, I love this one in the fullness of time. We'll oh. look back on this moment and people will be grateful we had the confidence to make this decision. Delusional God complex. Danny, everyone that's not from Sydney, which is the rest of the country, fucking hates the joint. No one wants to come to Sydney for a week to pay for overpriced tickets to watch teams that they don't give a fuck about you, moron. It's the fourth ranked sport in the country. It's not like the AFL grand final. The NRL grand final can't even sell it out. To their own fans, plus neutrals, plus corporates, plus freebies. McDonald's will only give away so many fucking tickets, you moron. Sydney fucking sucks and people aren't going and they have voted with their voices. And now Melbourne Victory is scampering because I know for a fact that fucking thousands of people have smashed their yep. um, inboxes and smashed the... Um, the, the um, the membership departments because surprise surprise when you've got auto 12 payments you can shut that shit off straight away it's a nice steady income stream for the bottom line for them to forecast every single month and they rely on that that's why i want you to sign up to auto 12 because it's cash flow all year and guess what we can cut that shit off straight away turn off our auto renew and they're fucked so if, if this doesn't get reversed and people still want to vote for it do that don't turn up. Do your walkouts if you want to do that and vote like that because the only way you will stop this shit is to hit them in the bottom line. And that's all they fucking care about. And it's fucked. It's it's just continual cycle of bullshit from the people who are supposed to be running the game and growing the game. It's it's, it's the continual it's, continual how far can we can we push these fans for them to keep turning up? And you and know it's what only the rusted ons, man. This, this is the line in the sand because even some of the rusted ons are like, nah, fuck this. This is it. Like, how do no, you I'm come back? This is all that's left. The rusted ons are all that's left. If this the, isn't the, reversed, the, there's the going to be a lot of people walking yeah. away. 
fact. Yeah, the only fans that are left on are rusted on nuffies. The casual fan is gone. Like Already, Danny yeah. and his predecessors killed him. And and either way, if he maintains this decision, if they go along with it, or if they walk it back, his position is now untenable. Um, oh. he's it's it's untenable. He is betrayed every level that makes up football in this country from the clubs to the fans um uh, to, to, to even to the broadcaster i reckon he sold lies to paramount as well like um he should and- he should be gone just regardless he he did a government deal a closed shop government deal for an entity ago, without going to tender he went without going to tender yeah he should be sacked on the spot for that He's in been given the golden handshake the by his mate fucking Dom, and it's uh, yeah. Boys, it, I want to I want to un- unpick this a little bit more because number one, th- there's two things, two levels to to this fucking hellscape, right? The, the the thought process behind all of this around moving the grand final to a singular city or state is fundamentally flawed. It's ripping a key feature of our league away from fans, away from their clubs, away from their cities. But what makes it worse, and you've kind of touched on this, is this whole we know what's best for you patronising mm, tone mm. that yeah, those that have come up with this fucking harebrained idea, they've been completely hypnotised by the dollar signs here. Whether it was 15 million, whether it was 20 million, it was somewhere between 15 and 30 where we are led to believe. Right now, in the absence of traditional football meritocracy that that the rest of the world mostly knows about, that whole promotion, relegation, but also you know qualification for continental competitions, etc. In the absence of that, the feature of the best team in the A League hosting a grand final, putting on a showpiece is what gives clubs the motivation in the first place. If you know as a Sydney club that you can roll into fifth and still host a grand final every year, what does that do to the integrity of the competition and the league as a whole? It is just fundamentally flawed. And as I said, the the cherry on top is this whole patronising tone about you know, patting us on the head. It's like, oh, you know, in the fullness of time, as you oh. said, Bud, like, you will see what, yeah, take your medicine, shut the fuck up and yeah, do as pretty we much. say. No. Like and, then, and then listening to fucking absolute shills like Tom Smithies yesterday um, and fucking what, what's the other Dodd. British, the, the other British shill, Dodd. This colonialist shit oh, um, from some of these Oh, you know, you British guys have got to understand. Yeah, oh, you guys have got to. We need to teach you, you know? fucking bogans yeah, about football. Yeah, we'll go, Fuck we off. go to we go to Wembley and we go for the for the for the um, was it the the championship uh, promotion game and blah 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 and it's like it's completely it's different. It's like you go for, you go for a fucking forty five minute train ride to Wembley or you know, Newcastle. I think Newcastle so Newcastle to London's three hours on a train. Yes. Yeah. Australia is 3,860 kilometres north to south and 4,000 kilometres east to west. It's, like all- it's, 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 not, it's, it's not the same thing. It's but not the all- same thing at all. You can't compare a cup competition either to, to a league. A cup competition, no. you understand why they have it at Wembley. So 
in the event that these smaller teams get to the pointy end, they have that big day out, that big day out on Wembley, on you know national television, and they get a big windfall out of it. This mm. this does none of that for no. the teams in our league. No, it does because, nothing for anything. Because the money gets taken out of the state and out of the city that they should be hosting it and 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 does the damage to fans. grassroots. New, Newcastle 2018, They don't get to watch example. their local club in you, their own city when they exactly. make the grand final. Kids don't get to go. I'm not listening to pommy cunts fucking that live in Sydney tell me how Australian football we're, should... We're trying should, to attract young people to this game. Young people don't have the money to just go right on two, even if it is two weeks notice, I'm going to fork out flights and accommodation to Sydney to go see my team from Adelaide who finished first playing a fucking grand final. It, it's alienating fans. It's alienating certain demographics of fans. Yeah, maybe I can, I can afford that and maybe you can afford that. But the people that they're targeting for the growth of this game, they can't afford that. It's no, fucking... because we got a, we got a, we got an Irish prick, Alan Joyce, that's absolutely destroying the national airline as well. So, and Who we all know how well? we we all know how good those guys are. Like the week before an event, so it's just it's it's fucking it's tone deaf. Everything about it is tone deaf, and um, this guy's going to get what's coming to him, man. Like big time, he's going to get embarrassed. Another He's another a... little sort of sidebar to this is I think as as A League fans as Vuck fans, it's been a natural and expected cycle as a fan of <clears throat> this league to live in this, I guess, cycle of short good chaos. times followed by dark winters. It's chaos. Rinse and repeat. We have our good periods. We have our bad periods. There's been the ups, the downs, many heights and. Arguably even more lows, but the one constant for every single season, and the one thing that is not broken has been the finals, and in particular the grand final. If you think back to all of the great stories in this league, they nearly all stem from epic grand finals or finals. You think about Ange's Brisbane Roy, you think about the, the saga around Adelaide when they had 50 thousand plus at the Adelaide Oval coming from bottom of the league to bottom of Christmas thing. After after zero and eight. You look at the from our own perspective, the two greatest days in our club's history at two different stadiums. The Dockland six nil, our first ever grand final success. Like uh, followed by that special and intimate grand final in 2016 where true believers and members were rewarded because it was a sellout you can't take that away from fans and i will not let you take it away from fans we will fight tooth and nail on this one it's just too special how do you tell the stories to the next generation or take your kids to the next game Uh, yeah there's just too much reverence around these days for fans well, History and tradition has already been built. So it's already yeah. been built. Like we don't need, we can always create new one, new history and new narrative and new tradition, but that shouldn't come at the expense of tearing other shit down. We I mean, have look built at, history. Look what, look what uh, Ange's Raw did for Brisbane. Well, I mean, that's, that's an example. It put Brisbane Raw on the map in Brisbane in their own city, a city for the most part that just completely ignores football, right? 
It gave that club a pulse. Look what it did for Newcastle in 2018. Now, we did come and spoil the party. Uh, hashtag heist and the hunter. You know, we were all there. But the whole city, the Hunter Valley was buzzing. It gave them a pulse. You know, they were so it, happy to welcome us in. Oh, the vibes were high. A, a, it was, it was, it, people were embracing football community who had never done it before. They're going, oh, is this what it's about? They deserved it. Oh, shit. It opened people's eyes. It, this is how you, you, you bring new people in. You take it to new places. You get it in front of new people, new eyeballs. You don't put it in the same place at the same time every fucking year and just expect it to grow from there. Like it, it'll, it won't increase demand. Like people are just going to know it's and go, Oh, do you want to go to the grand final in fucking the SFS? Or maybe, Oh, nah, look at fucking Optus stadium in Perth. They sold out fucking Optus stadium in Perth. Okay. Maybe the result didn't go so well. Maybe Brenton Santalab should have, you know, stuck that penalty away and not try to be a smart ass and penenka it. But like they got sick. That's a story. You people. just remembered something from that special fucking day about Brendan Santa. 60,000 people penenka. in WA packed into a fucking stadium and over half of those people, I can almost guarantee wouldn't have ever been to a football game before. Yeah, boys. But what you got to understand is in the fullness of time, you'll look back on this <laughs> moment and you'll be grateful that I had the confidence <laughs> to make this decision. Bold decisions need to occur. Oh, oh look, I'm it, only doing it because I believe it's the right thing for the game. It's like, get fucked, you sin. The funniest stuff, though, out of the How detached because... from reality must you be to think that this is the right way and that it wasn't going to blow up? Like, oh, I didn't ex- like, I loved Tony Armstrong. Um, he was very good this oh, morning. Unbelievable. Um, because look, you know, when you thought it couldn't get any worse from the actual events unfolding yesterday, he did that Q and A with his little lap dog James Dodd, which was very, very funny to say the least. And then he did, um, um, he did the the SEN show with a couple of his other ass kisses, Sydney ass kisses in Simon Hill and um, Broski. So there's a bit of a trend here with the media, actually, as well. Um, and everyone wants to get on the right side of it, but they've got a demonstrated history of just... Sorry, you're on mute, Dave. Um, they've got a demonstrated history of just kissing ass um, of Sydney and Danny Townsend. And then you've got some of the the social media accounts of from Sydney FC fans. Oh, I'm heartbroken like that donut, whatever his name is, Jude. <laughs> Jude Dolan, I think his name is. I'm heartbroken. I'm back. It is another pommy prick trying to tell Australians how to how to enjoy their football. Oh, like so you've been around. You've been around for five minutes. It's like, I'm heartbroken, and it's like, yeah, well, it's your Lord and Master that's fucking done it. Um, it's it's like and the, the, whatever the all sides of the harbour account. No, I'm heartbroken. It's like, oh, Danny brought me pies. And it's just like. Oh, it's just like Danny brought you pies last year, guys. Like your Lord and Master that everyone's been fucking ragging on for years that you've just been defending to the hilt. He's a cockhead. <laughs> like he's he is a real, real ass hat. And he will ruin the game and then he will leave and then he'll go into the private sector and he will not be heard from again. Mm. 
just yeah. like a couple of the others just that like have come ben before Buckley, him. Just like David Gallup. Now, yep. this whole Newcastle thing, I just want to come back to that for a minute. You know, that, that city that earned it, yeah, football heartland, you know, it deserved to have its fucking day. Um, and it will one day have, hopefully, have it again. So will Gosford, hopefully. Wellington, Perth, Adelaide, Brisbane, Tarnit. Uh, well, maybe maybe not Tarnit, fuck that. But point still stands. <laughs> no, this has been the day. tradition. This has been our tradition. game of the season in this league, you know, and it's, it's not this just what makes it special. You earn the right. You earn the right, and it's it's an advantage. As Lee Broxham said on socials today, um, with that 2015 grand final, he said, we were 1-0 up before that game even started because of the crowd in Amy mm-hmm. Park that day. Like, that shit is special. Did, the, you know, it's, you know, as you said, but guys, Newcastle, guys, you get you get months in advance to book your flights, <laughs> book your flights, book your, that... book your flights, book your accommodation months out before you even know your team's going to be in the event. Yes, no one I mean, does that. Let's talk about that as well. No he thinks we're fucking morons. It's like who in their right minds booking flights and accommodation before the team, the, even the final series has started. Now, let's also talk about something that slips through the cracks. There's a proposed two-week gap after the fucking semifinals. That's what this league needs, more dead space. Let's just fucking (laughs) smash the momentum. Oh, but the Festival of Football, guys, it'll be two weeks of lockouts at 11 p.m. And then we'll go down to Star City. And it's just like, are you fucking insane? Like, the one thing this league doesn't need is like halts in momentum. Like, you know, the World Cup momentum halt is one thing. We cannot have a two-week break and then go to the grand final. Except for the Russell people, no one will know. We'll be halfway through the grand final. People are like, oh, it's the only grand final one. I thought that finished two weeks ago. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) That is actually very accurate. That's Australia. (laughs) It's just like uh, gents, I, gents. I'm gonna bring bring some order to this, and and you know, like, oh, oh can we? Can I, you please? I, I don't can think you please, we've ever been this angry. I don't think we've ever been you, this angry on this. Oh, pod. I reckon we might have. I reckon. Um, <laughs> do you? Can you play the audio of him and? Oh, please. Dr. Yeah, yeah, yeah Douche, I got this. Hang Dr. on, Dr. Douchebag Dodd, um, talking about the implications for what happens to the minor premier's current advantage. Will that still stand in some way? Yeah, like always, the, the highest ranked home team will be the home team uh, for, for the grand final. Obviously, that's difficult if you're not from Sydney, but at the same time, we'll respect the, the usual um, options the home team has around. Oh, you can, get, you can get your own changing rooms, We want to preserve as much of that tradition as we can as we build a new tradition oh, new uh, in the game. You can pick your Melbourne, you can pick your change rooms. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, Isn't it amazing how much of a disconnect there is between him, the APL, and the fans? And, you know, we were promised a new era with the APL. And you know what? Things were actually starting to get back oh, I love, to, I, like, I, things I, were improving this season. You know, things were, were and we've had the access all areas and, you know, there's been so much sort of reasons to sort of think, oh, maybe, maybe. Maybe we'll be okay. But this is just fucked it all. And look, 
two things, gents. We have to talk about Anthony DiPietro, the vote, the situation there, the statement the club made today. Um, the club's pretty adamant about this being a league decision and not a club decision. Now, lots of people are talking about Anthony DiPietro uh, having a conflict of interest, mm -hmm. which was flagged in this statement today. Now, whether that is the case or not, and it probably is, his conflict is nothing compared to the Simon Pierce, Melbourne City director, APL director, and Silver Lake who own a chunk of the City Football Group, who Pierce works for. Uh, I'm sorry, but that's the, the piece de resistance of the conflicts of interest. That's like, yeah. So if we even park all of that and just talk about the fact that there's been a backpedal here and on one level, it's fantastic that there has been. The tea leaves, as we said earlier, have been red. The club has obviously been inundated. Even us, like we, I emailed the club pretty much Straight away, when this news happened, and I was like, you know what? We don't normally email uh, <laughs> about stuff unless we want to, like, I don't know. Hey, did you see get a player on the see, show? And man, did they you must see have been. Go on. Do you see Anthony Lapaglia mm -hmm. getting into um, getting I into did. Vince Rigari's timeline as well? Was, yeah, um, that was wild. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is, I mean, like, and look, of course, you you, you got all these fucking ambulance chases and sort of people, the death wishes who are reveling in all of this, your, your whole, you know, bitter slash people who hate the A-League crowd who are now sort of Just unblock dancing, me, Mike. You know, Just unblock and... me, man. I apologise. Please, come on. <laughs> they're come on, they're having their time of their lives, including your Nick Galatis's of the world, the AAFC, all these, there's like a... Uh, uh, yeah, look, some uh, of the stuff they were saying was right, though. Anyway. And I know, I know they, they don't have, I know you guys have said they don't have, um, they don't really have the, the moral high ground to grandstand, but some of the stuff's right. Um, I'm pretty pissed off with Di Pietro, to be honest. I think he's done the right thing. But I think I eventually, think people, eventually, yeah, I think people from the club are probably right, though, and other clubs are right. Look, and then this thing we got to, we got to, um, put on the table as well. There were clubs that don't have a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. That didn't know anything about it, and there were clubs, it's disgraceful. and that there were people, disgraceful. and there were people that work at clubs where the chairman has a seat at the table, and they didn't know about it either. So there's a lot of pissed this off people at clubs that, sorry, there's a lot of pissed off people at clubs that did have a vote for it, and this highlights a really good point, Budza, that this board, the APL, is there to to represent all clubs, not just the clubs that have seats. And, and I think herein lies the problem. And unfortunately, something like this was always going to happen with the unbundling and the structure of this board where there's there's only a certain amount of seats and not everyone is represented. Um, this was always going to happen. And especially when it's it's not just representing a club, but it's you've got the likes of you, DiPetros, who's he's on the board and he's needing to do what is in theory, right for the league, but then he's also needs to maintain the interests of his club, Melbourne Victory, who's also on the board for basically everybody who holds a seat in this current APL board has some sort of conflict of interest. 
and and something like this was always going to happen and it's you know what it happened in a pretty spectacular way wasn't it uh lowey frank lowey's son stephen lowey who when the unbundling process started that those those words the final words that he said on his departure was be careful what you wish for um i i don't really pay much credence to that it's it's one of these topics where i, th- I just think it, the sport is just cursed sometimes or not sometimes all the time it just but I'll, I'll tell you what, I was expecting more of a gap between the the World Cup emotional roller coaster that took us to those heights of like, oh, we can really capitalise on this as a league. This is another 2006 moment where there could be some momentum for the sport and for the league and we can start to convert those grassroots numbers into, you know, people coming through the turnstiles in the A-League and we, 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 we could be a better league and have better football and nah. Five, six days later, completely destroyed. All momentum lost. And look, I don't know where we want to, we could just keep going for ages, I I know, but we probably have to stop it. I'm telling anyone that's listening now, I'm exhausted too. Anyone that's listening now that has anything to do with this decision or any, no one at the APL level is going to listen to this, but we aren't backing down on this one. This is one, and OSM, I've got, to, I've got to say, the statements that Original Style Melbourne have put out in relation to this have been so on the money and so powerful and poignant. Like, And I don't know about you guys, but from an FBS perspective, I agree wholeheartedly with every single word they've put out on this matter. Um, we might try and get someone from OSM on the podcast next week. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. But... It is just, and you know, they, they're leading the way um, on and off the park, so to speak, um, in terms of the the messaging around this. And this will not stand. Um, I don't know what else to say um, other than you know, I've not got this worked up um, probably since uh, <laughs> maybe the Brebner Keen season, where we did get worked up a little bit there, Budza, uh, you and I, at the back end of that. But shall we? Should we talk about the World Cup and should we talk about the Melbourne Victory doco? Let's take a little mm. break, a little breather, and then do that. Hi, it's Kayla Morrison, and you're listening to For Vuck's Sake. Gentlemen of Graham Arnold's Socceroos, I've just been overcome by so many different emotions during the World Cup campaign. I thought this team might not even score a goal, and we win two games, break our own... PB for World Cups, uh, which was a pretty low bar, but, you know, to, to get two clean sheets, to come out of that group. Um, so many different emotions, but disbelief, the chief amongst them. And, you know, we have on this podcast uh, never shied away from our feelings on Graham Arnold. But I have to say, and, you know, I, I still think he's a prick, but I respect him uh, immensely after this World Cup. Gentlemen, I'm going to pass to you because, you know, we've all got a view and we've all been swept up in just the amazing uh, performance. And, look, I'll start with uh, Buds. Tell me tell me how you feel about the Socceroos. I was very proud and I think I was just ecstatic. Um, we were, You and I were at the same event 
and when we watched the Tunisia game, and it was the way that we played against Tunisia, and especially in that first half when we fight, we actually held the ball. We played the ball around, and we, we were the better side after, you know, against France. We we came out all guns blazing, and uh, Lecky ruined Hernandez's knee, and Goodwin scored, and there was that thing where, you know, may or may not have placed the bet, and uh, that Australia wouldn't score a goal. <laughs> I thought seven, I I thought, that, uh, thought $7 was worth jumping on. Um <laughs> You know, it was not a good team that we've put into the World Cup, but, you know, and then Graham came out and said it was a great friendly. We're treating it as a friendly, and I was furious at that. And I was furious. I was pretty upset at the way we kind of stopped playing against France. But then we, we switched it up, and Duke's goal was amazing. And we did mm. what we needed to do, and Sutar put in. That, I still, still, that, that tackle. Um, oh, unbelievable. About the 80-something 80, 80 minute against Tunisia was ludicrous. Then there was Leckie's goal, which was just one for the ages, and the way we played against um, against. He'll get Denmark. A, he'll get a clap at the derby, surely. What do you reckon? You know, like um. Yeah, oh, I said that. I said I, I said I said I would clap him, and other people were just like, "No, nah, I just won't boo him." Like, okay. <laughs> okay, that's that's fair. That's fine. Fair. That's, fair. <laughs> that's fine. That's fair. But um, man, the way the way the guys played against Argentina, and it was just um. It was sad that Matt Ryan had a bit of a brain fade and um, a few things didn't um, go our way. And, you know, Quoll could have uh, really put himself on the world stage. Oh. But um, the way... Um, page nearly all was oh forgiven. Oh, nearly all was forgiven there too. It was <sighs> quite amazing. Um, Quoll. Yeah, Just... so... <laughs> It's 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 the fact that I felt like the, the thing in this was we just weren't there and we just weren't making up numbers and bodies and shirts for another team to 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 beat. Like teams had to rock up and play to beat us hmm. in this tournament. And at times in each of the games, um I dared to dream in each of them. And and like when have we done that in a World Cup campaign hmm. or what, did we think that we could do that? during the the qualification process it was like we're in this like it's it, it was it's an amazing it's feeling surreal. going to a world cup and, and i think as i said don't let anybody tell you that we're not a football country like we prove that we are on and off the pitch this world cup the vibes on the field we... and in the streets we belong at this level two and, and... two clean sheets and a goal in every game it was it was extraordinary. I don't think we'll ever feel it again. No. I've been one of his biggest critics, as, as as you guys know, and like from even before this second stint that he's had in the job. But, you know, he somehow managed to cobble together something special. And as much as my internal biases and my internal psyche wanted me to not admire it, I simply had to. And have to, like, to. I, I, we all have to. And have to. Um, you know, if you're still doubting it, like we've got man, to step it's man outside the frame, it's take it's that macro view. It's a wonderful it's, achievement. It's it's it was good. We we just played good tournament football. We did. We were efficient. Yep. Um, we're pretty you know understated in in mm-hmm. some areas, but you know played to our strengths and we were actually organised defensively. And it, it helps when you've got an absolute Hercules as a centre back. And some handy wing and some handy wingers. Uh, we are short of a striker, um, but you know we, we were just efficient. And 
we had some really, really, we've got some good battlers, uh, some good humans, Jackson Irvine, take a bow. Um, and, and the rest of the world started picking up on it. People were saying, hey, Graham Arnold's a pretty, a pretty cool guy. Like, you know, they, they beat Denmark and he's like, right, the boys are going back. They're going to sleep, no celebrating, no social media. And you've got guys like Jackson Irvine and, and just re- really good, humble oh, human yeah. beings playing, you know, playing football for their country and being proud whilst you've also got, you know, on other sides, you've got absolute assholes making half a million dollars a week that are absolute we assholes. We were true to who we are. We were yeah, true, we're true to, to who we are. are. As, yeah, as we Australians, are. as Australian footballers, like it was... It, you couldn't have asked for a better representation of this as it an Australian very, football. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. We this, earned this, respect, like yeah, the, the, we, we the, earned respect. Well, we got good, good characters in this team. Good characters, and the Scottish contingent, um, very, very good value for us as well. You know, it, it the just, Athletic podcast, the Guardian podcast, Football Ramble, and you know, we we all listen to those podcasts uh, quite a bit, and you know, before the tournament, we were just an afterthought. We were a footnote. Um, and you know, Making all up of a the sudden, numbers. everyone's talking about how Jackson Irvine's their favorite player because you know he's the, the ultimate football journalist, footballer. Um, yeah. and just people all of a sudden talking about Harry Sutar, he's off to the Premier League, and you know, as you mentioned, you know, with Graham Arnold, like, look, and we have to talk about the, the fan reactions here in Melbourne and then that spread uh, to those other parts of the country, like with flares, like. Yeah, the the saying goes, gents, that the the older you get, the more conservative you get. But I reckon on the topic of flares, I think the opposite is true for me. I remember back in the day being like, yeah, oh, I don't mind flares, but we we need to cut them out if we want to, you know, grow the game and all that shit. Now I'm just like, you know what? Fuck all that and look at the scenes that it just created in Melbourne and that were shot all around the world. And you, you touched on it, boys. Like we were on the map there and. Yeah, we, we, we earned respect. I was so proud and I was just really enjoying the tournament. And, yeah, I, I just wish, you know, we can, uh, you know, live that experience again and again and again. Uh, and thankfully in uh, 2023 we get to do it for Matildas, hopefully. So, yeah. Anything else, gents, on the World Cup? Uh, or shall we leave it there given that we've... Uh, no, I think we've well, gone well past the hour mark. I think we've said all we need to say with that. I think we we summed it up pretty well. Love it. Yep, love it. That's our TED talk on the Socceroos. Um, yeah, lovely, lovely stuff. Okay. Now, let's talk about the Dream Big documentary briefly. This is the trailer's out on Friday. It's coming out. We heard the man of the people. I heard his voice when the trailer was released. 50 seconds. At 50 seconds, if you listen to the trailer, you can hear Buds are saying the only way is up. And I have a feeling this is going to be good. Um, Not because we may or may not be featuring in it, but because I know that the level of production value and and just the narrative around this, when it was initially mooted and the planning had commenced, you know, we'd just come off that back of that, Steve Keen, Grant Brebner season, um, the lowest of victory lows. It was really in terms of telling a story about where we were, the depths uh, and where we could come back from. Um, so, boys, um, what about this documentary when it airs on Friday are you most excited by? Because 
we've seen some good things come out in the A-League sphere, you know, around you know, stories and, and, and A-League all access and all these things. But obviously we're biased. I think this could be the pick of the bunch. What do you reckon, Clarky? Look, I just think it's, I'm really looking forward to it because I'm really looking for some real candid honesty in this because this isn't a keep up production. This isn't a Paramount production. This has been solely produced and undertaken by Melbourne Victory. So I'm just hoping to really see um, that side of the club that that we don't get to see as fans. Um, mm, so mm. I, I think it should just be a real eye opener. And I think the club's put a lot of work into this. We know that they have. Um, they've been working at this for a long time. So I'm just I'm just happy to see it make the light of day. Um, albeit the timing for them with everything that else has been going on has been absolutely horrid. Oh, it's just I, I feel sorry for all the people that have been working so hard. <laughs> yeah, you know, for for on so many fronts to just have this anom- anomalous issue pop up on a Monday morning, like it was stressing the shit out of me. I can only imagine how it was uh, being dealt with. Uh, in the inner sanctum at, at Amy Park. All right. Uh, Buds, anything to comment with the doco? Or you, shall we move on? Oh, looking forward to seeing... Looking forward to seeing it. Fuck Danny Townsend. Oh, yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, Clarky, Clarky, uh, our league women's side started this season so far pretty well. So the, uh, the WAC kick things off during the World Cup break. How are they going so far? Give us a rundown. So it was a mixed start. So after the um, couple of defeats to start the season, the women have seemed, and we got the season back on track. They've had two wins on the bounce now, 1-0 against Wellington and 3-0 against Perth. So that's that's good for them and, and building momentum for the second half of the season. Uh, they play the Jets this Sunday at home at 6.15pm. So get down there and support the girls. Where's it being played, mate? Tell the listeners they can get out there and uh, watch it. Get- I believe it could be at Amy Park. I could be wrong, though. I could be wrong. Very Last good. time I checked. Right. No drama as well. Something that is definitely on at Amy Park on Saturday, the 17th of December, is this game against the City Football Group. Uh, actually, slight segue. The City Football Group that have said nothing regarding the uh selling of the grand final other than uh that they will help subsidize their fans to head up there like could you be any more sports washed clarky this this scenario with the city football group anyway they will put them on a bus you're on mute mate <laughs> hey damn it i'm not uh, on mute no, no i no, was like was <laughs> ah <laughs> All all I would say is, hey, they've basically got two seats on the board, so of course they're not going to say anything. So anyway, let's see if that. Otherwise, we'll be here for another hour. We we play the City Football Group. They had a loss against uh, Sydney FC. We uh, there's an interesting look. Derby's they always are fiery affairs, and this is the traditional Christmas Derby. Let's be honest with this. I don't think anyone that's going or is in. You know, Australian football is going to be interested in this game, to be honest. They'll be mm-hmm. interested in this game, but it's not the game they're going to be interested in. They want to see the walkout. That's right. It's so just, there's going to be a walkout, walkout at the 20-minute mark. And 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 let's be clear, you know, just because Melbourne Victory have come out and, you know, made that statement about resigning from the board of the APL 
until such time as the APL reverses it, its decision, this isn't going to change the actions of fans. Uh, no, OSM have come out and said they're going to boycott finals for the next three years. Three they're, years, um, that's right. And 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 I I stand by that. I think that's and this, that's an excellent uh, the approach. City, the city terrace has decided that they're going to join up with OSM and do it. So, um, is one thing Good. dickheads managed to do? It's unite fans. Yeah, <laughs> we're talking about the disconnect. Like that, they, they have actually achieved something that has very rarely been achieved. Incredible, in, incredible work, Danny. Um, Fawn Rowley against City. I mean, you know, that's a bit of a story in itself. But look, I mean, what else do we say? This game uh, is unfortunately going to be a fizzer from a, an atmosphere perspective because of what has happened. That's the reality. Uh, that we deal with. A lot of people are going to be watching this one on TV. Um, how do we think it's going to go? Whoa. Uh, tough one. I'm going to say it's going to be a draw. I reckon it's 2-2. Score draw. Desmond 2-2. 1-1 for me. I'm predicting a 2-1 win for the VAC. I think Josh Berlante... And Roderick Miranda will be back. I think Popper had an eye on this in terms of I don't think the, the issues that those two guys were experiencing were significant. And I just think there'll be enough about us to get the result. I'm not convinced around City's managerial situation because Norbo has flown the coop and not gone off to Troyes in Ligue and... I, get, I think he's going to get found out over there. But Rado Vidasic is in charge of the Ugh. City Football Group Melbourne Satellite Branch. Rado, the brains. the brains. The brains. <laughs> the brains. Anyone who's been around for a while remembers when Rado was at the VAC will remember the brains. Oh. Do you reckon Bruno's going to get on the score sheet, Dave? Oh, it, like that's the one thing that would make me want to be there if he was purely for the theatre around that, but I am not going to attend um, on principle, uh, as I said um, earlier in the week, and I think that won't change um, for a lot of fans, I think, uh, until things change at APL level. But, yeah, I think a 2-1 win. Um, and, look, yes, Bruno will score the winner. It's going to bring the house down in terms of those that are still left in there after the 20-minute mark. On that note, gents and listeners, it's been a pleasure. It's been exhausting, um, but it's also been cathartic. So, with my last... I'm on the VAC. I'm on the VAC. Fuck Danny Townsend. <laughs>